Well, um, this morning I did want to share uh, from a passage, and you can you can start finding it's Isaiah 40. And this is a passage that I feel like God has kind of brought to my heart over the last few months in my life. Um, it's there because I I kind of come to terms <laughs> with something that's true about me that I don't like <laughs> that is true about me. Um, and, and what's true about me is that I really like to have control over life. And yet, I like to go to cell group or where I minister, whether it's in you know, counseling or whatever, and try to talk about this vision about trusting God, letting Him have complete control. And yet, when I come back to my own heart and what's really happening inside of me, I keep wrestling. And so what I'm really going to talk about today is something that I'd like to say, it's a vision of where I want to go. I'm not great at that at this point, but I feel like Isaiah 40 gives us a real great vision for where we can go in our walk with God, in our walk with Christ. And that's really what I want to talk about today is that, that vision and give you something to begin to wrestle with in your own heart as you try to walk this life. Um, what happens for me is I like to do A in my life, expecting B to happen. But then, of course, C happens. <laughs> and I find myself in this feeling of what I like to call I feel trapped. I feel like I'm in this no-win situation. I'm in this place where I did A because I was expecting B. Now C has happened. Now what? And I begin to turn and think, God, I'm stuck. Like the circumstances of my life have put me in this position that I wasn't expecting. But because I tend to want control, often what I do is I can ignore that for a while. Because I can say, you know what? Yeah, but this time I'm going to implement a different A because a different A might work this time. And I keep trying to implement all these different plans. But God in his mercy doesn't allow them to ever end up with B. <laughs> and that's what I've been wrestling with. Um, in a recent story in my life um, happened, you know, the new year came as a family trying to get back on, you know, budget, you know, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, try to stay on budget in Christmas, you know. Uh, so, you know, January comes. We're going to, you know, my dad used to say this all the time when we were kids, it's January, we're going to go on an austerity, strict austerity program. So I'm just like my dad, I guess. So, but of course, um, midway through January, the engine blows on our car. Um, that wasn't in the budget. <laughs> and so that's the trap that I felt this January in the cold, freezing weather. And it was this feeling of, okay, God, why? What's going on here now? And I began to complain. In fact, then I went and I bought another car that I really couldn't afford, but I had to do something, and I bought it with a bad attitude. Uh, Sheila, I called her and said, this is what I'm thinking. And she's like, well, do you like the, the car? I'm like, no, it's a minivan. <laughs> I'm like... But I said, it's got low miles, so I guess... It's probably what we're supposed to do. Well, sure enough, we bring it home, and a week later, 
the power steering went out on it. And at that point, I lost it. I couldn't handle it anymore. I'm like, God, I, oh, I just lost it. And, of course, Sheila and my kids paid the price for that. Um, eventually, we were able to figure out what was wrong, and actually the dealership stood up for it and fixed it for me, which was great. Um, but that feeling of being trapped, I, I don't know when you feel trapped by life's circumstances, you know. Maybe you have bills that you just can't see any way of being able to pay, or maybe you have a hypercritical boss at work, and, but you need the job. You can't change jobs. Maybe your kids are acting out in some way that you have no idea how to control that. Um, maybe there's this sense of despair, this sense of frustration with the weather <laughs> this winter, feeling like, oh, my, another week of freezing temperatures. Well, trapped feelings make us feel frustrated, angry, despairing, discouraging, fill in the blank when we feel trapped by life and the circumstances. And what's interesting to me is um, in Isaiah 40, what's happening is Isaiah is talking about a people who were literally trapped. They were brought into slavery. He's in chapter 40 of Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah shifts forward about 100 years, and Isaiah starts to talk about a time when the people of God are going to be carried off into exile, into captivity. And um, they were, I believe, thinking they were doing A, thinking B was going to happen, and then all of a sudden they ended up with a C, exile, slavery. We know that um, when they were taken into captivity, that Psalm 137 is a background of that where they talks about them being by the river and weeping longing for going back to Jerusalem. So we know that it was a hard time in their lives. They had thought maybe God had forgotten them. You know, they had a covenant with God, but why would he do this? didn't make sense. Um, they would also wake up each morning, I believe, to see just the grandness of Babylon, this amazing place, uh, all the building projects. Of course, uh, idols, uh, the gates. At, at each one of the gates into Babylon were these uh, unbelievably... Uh, big idols that they had built. And so there'd be a lot of this sense of, wow, God, here's these people that aren't your people, but look at what's happening here. I think also um, they would wake up in the morning and um, some of them were waking up in the homes of Babylonians because they were probably house slaves or house servants. And then there was a a core that was living by the river, um, beginning to build their own life. And, And uh, some of the excavations in some of the history tells us that uh, some of these uh, people had built kind of a nice life for themselves, and, and uh, they began to actually find some security living in this uh, exile. And I think Isaiah knew all these things were going to be true when he wrote what he wrote here in, in Isaiah 40, and he's trying to encourage them uh, with this passage that God is still there, God has still said, you're my people, and he's asking and he's telling them, come back, come back and rebuild, come back to Jerusalem. But it's going to be a hard journey for them, and I think they needed this encouragement to make, to make that trip. Uh, before we, we look at Isaiah 40, I want to read this quote. This is from um, Dr. Allender uh, in a book that, that he wrote called uh, The Wounded Heart. He makes this statement that I think is, he says it better than I can. Let's just put it that way. This is kind of what I'm wanting you to hear and what I want you to think about today. He says, true hope never minimizes a problem in order to make it more palatable and easily managed. 
For the Christian, hope begins by recognizing the utter hopelessness of our condition and the necessity of divine intervention if we are to experience true joy. Any personal change that can be achieved solely through human, uh, any personal change that can be achieved solely through human in contrast to supernatural intervention will neither satisfy nor change our heart. Here's the point. I think we oftentimes try to minimize the struggle, try to minimize the thing that we're going through as if by minimizing it, maybe it'll go away or maybe we can kind of get through it. I think what Isaiah is going to say here in chapter 40, and and I think what what Dr. Elder is trying to say, and, and I really believe is true throughout the scriptures in many different places, is we, we need to face full on what's really happening in our lives because there is supernatural help. <laughs> there is this opportunity to experience this true joy through supernatural work in our lives and in our hearts. And so we need to be willing to keep exposing our hearts to the reality of what's going on in our lives, to this feeling of this being trapped. And I want to talk about that more today. I'm going to begin in verse 27 of chapter 40. It says, O Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? It's easy for us in life to complain. <laughs> what's the stuff in your life right now that you're complaining about? What, what's the thing that is going on for you where you're feeling this sense of, yeah, my circumstances just, they're not working out. It's very easy to complain. It's very easy to get caught up in that because we all feel this. And just as the Jewish people have been brought into exile, we too live in a sort of exile. We live in a sin-stained world, a fallen world where we were created for something different. And the sin of this world is constantly battering us and coming in us. And we're in this battle to try to understand what it means to find strength through Christ to overcome. But the first step often in our lives is a bad thing happens, a hard thing happens, and we start complaining. I also wonder, the second question is not only just about uh, feeling this sense of, of what's going on, what's the complaint, but also a sense of being disregarded. Has God abandoned you? I think that's what he's trying to focus on here when he says the people of God are asking that question of, of um, my life's hidden from God. God can't see me. He doesn't seem to care anymore. That can happen very easily, I think, in our lives when bad stuff goes on, when hard things go on, where we start to think, God, were you there? Do you see me anymore? I can only imagine that these exiles had been living in Babylon. It says they were there for 70 years. A generation died in Babylon. And now the kids are really hearing or looking at this prophecy, and they have to begin to wonder, did we, is it all over for us? Is the covenant gone? Does God really care? Or is our way hidden? So if you look at verse 28 and following, this is where Isaiah challenges the people of God to do, and I think it's the same challenge for us this morning to do in our lives. 
he asks the question, have you never heard or understood, don't you know, that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When I read that, that's the vision that I have for me, for what I want. I want to face the hard circumstances of my life in a way that I can soar like an eagle, that I can run and not be weary, and I can walk and not be faint. That's the vision that I see. That's what I've been wrestling with. What I think is interesting is the people of God here who were enslaved in Babylon were focusing on themselves. Their focus was pretty much on uh, their problems. <laughs> and that's very easy to do, to spend all of our time focusing on our problems, and it's very difficult to make a shift, to shift from the immediate problem, just bought this new car, now it's not running, and I'm frustrated that I even bought it to begin with. I can't get the focus, I can't change that focus. But Isaiah is calling us to do something here, and, and the key to what he's calling us to do is something that um, I think is hard to do, and it's difficult, and it's not easy, but it's, it's this term he uses to wait, to wait on the Lord. I think that's a very fascinating idea. <laughs> wait on the Lord. As I started wrestling with that term and that idea, um, when you initially read it, it, it feels like it's kind of this passive idea that waiting on the Lord is like waiting in a doctor's office. <laughs> We've been there. I understand waiting, waiting for something to happen. Uh, maybe it's waiting at a restaurant for your food to come. You're sitting there waiting. Um, but as I dug into this passage more and the understanding of, of what waiting means is, um, first of all, it is an uh, interesting Hebrew choice of word that he made. There's two different words he could have chosen for this word wait, but he chose this particular Hebrew word because it has a literal meaning. And I want to talk more today about the literal meaning of, of this word wait here in Isaiah 40. Um, but it is, first of all, it is a, a participle of continual action. So it is meant to be something active in our lives, that waiting is an active term. The other thing that's interesting, and that's why I brought this um, rope with me, is rope is made from a lot of fibers. And this is a good rope because it's unwinding as we speak. But what's good about us for our illustration is you can see how thin the fibers are of this rope. And yet when you bind them all together, you end up with strength. You end up with a strong rope that can do a lot of work. And what's fascinating is that's exactly what the literal meaning of this word weight is. It is to twist or to bind a rope is where it comes from. 
And so, as I started looking into this and studying, you know, more scholars about what are they trying to say, the point they were making, and I think they think Isaiah was making, is as we live our lives and we do do something, we, we act in some way, we will actually be able to bind a rope that will give us the strength to go on. And you notice this passage is all about strength. It's about flying like an eagle. It's about running and not getting weary. It's about walking and not being faint. It's about strength, having strength. I think that's why he uses this word. And so when we talk about waiting on the Lord then, what I think Isaiah is wanting us to understand is we can focus on all the negative, and we can begin to feel trapped, depressed. We can get down. We can begin to feel like there's nothing that's good that's going to happen in my life. And yet, if we can wait, if we can actively do something different, then we can begin to bind a rope, bind something that will become stronger for us. And that's really what God's calling us to do in this passage. And so, what I want you to, to think about is look at what he is saying here that we can do. I think this is the point of Isaiah 40 of what he's wanting us to understand. Um, if we're thinking about binding a rope, if you're thinking about waiting, there, there are things that we should be doing. There are things that we should not do, things to refrain from. And then um, there are things that are going to happen to us in this process of waiting. And so I think what we need to understand is that if we're going to wait on God we need to change our focus, and we need to focus on God. Look at what he says about God. And this is kind of the complaint comes, and then he says to them in, uh, in the second half of 28, he says, don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He's trying to move their focus. You wait on God when you begin to change your focus, and the first thing he wants to understand, don't you know God is sovereign? Don't you understand that God's in charge? And that whatever's happening in your life, God hasn't fallen asleep at the wheel. God knows that that's going on. He's still in charge. He's still in control. I could imagine being in slavery. Boy, it'd be hard to experience that. Is God still in control? Really? And then he goes on and he points out other attributes here. He says, uh, he never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. A couple more attributes here. We see that omnipotence. God is powerful. He's all-powerful. He's not weak. He's not uh, a God who can't do things. He, he doesn't grow weary. He doesn't grow tired. God is all-powerful. Can you focus on that? people of God. Can you begin to turn, turn your focus there? We see that God is omniscient here. He, he, his understanding is inscrutable, it says in some translate. His understanding is, is all-knowing. He understands everything. And then in verse 29, he says, he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. We see that God loves us and God cares for us. Not only is God all-powerful and all-knowing and in control, but he is loving. 
I think Isaiah is calling us when we get to these spots in our life to step back and to change our focus from our problems, our circumstances, to his glory, to who God is, what God's all about. And that's hard to do. I think it's hard for all of us to do that. It's, there's something about complaining, self-pity, um, <laughs> wanting to, to be maybe justified in what's wrong with my life that I think can easily sometimes begin to drive us. But waiting on the Lord is something that's going to require action on our part we're going to have to do something, something different, and that something different needs to somehow move us from focusing on our problems to focusing on God. Again, the songs we sang here this morning are a great example of that. These songs are all getting us to focus our hope on God, to not get caught up in the stuff of this world and to get drugged down by it. So I want to challenge you this morning to think about something that you maybe need to be doing, or maybe you are doing it, but maybe you need to keep doing it in some ways, and that is creating space, creating space in your life where you can bind a rope, where you can twist some fibers together to gain strength. What that means is, I think, first of all, it means facing reality, facing the depth of whatever is really going on inside of you. Stop pretending that you've got it figured out. Stop pretending that, that your circumstances are all lined up, okay? Get out of that phase and then admit and face, okay? Then, as you do that, as you begin to sense that, begin to open your heart up. Create space to open your heart up by reading Scripture, by praying, by carving out times of reflection in your life to begin to focus on saying, God, what are you trying to teach me through this process? I, I try to carve out in my life about two hours to three hours a week on, and one, just in one setting. And what happens for me in that setting is that I start the process for me with my complaining, okay? Just admit it. God, man, this is what's going on for me. I have a lot of complaining because I got two teenagers, but they're sitting here, so <laughs> there's no stories. I can't tell you any stories about that. Come see me later. I'll tell you. And then I start to move towards worship move towards, focus on God, but I know you care. I know you haven't left me. And I know you're in control. And there's a reason why you're taking me down this journey. I can tell you that I spent um, many, <laughs> really the last 15 years of my life, um, feeling like I had done the A thing for God. I'd done a lot for God, and God... He just didn't come through for me with the B plan that I had. 
spent a long journey, and I'm still on it, to move, keep moving through this in an open, I want supernatural healing. I don't want to just pretend it's better. And it's not all better, but you know what? God is moving me in some exciting ways in my heart because I've created this space of time. I believe, and this is just me and this is not in the Bible, but um, weeping is always part of that for me. I think there's something about me opening my heart up to the point where I'm weeping before God. Sometimes it's weeping over my sin. Sometimes it's weeping over the fact that, um, you know, life just isn't working. Sometimes I'm weeping because when I begin to compare where I'm at and who God is, it's just so awesome it makes me weep. And it begins to help me move through And this passage of soaring on wings like eagles begins to settle in in the problems of my life. I feel like I begin to soar over them. The running, when the stresses of life are there, I feel like I'm beginning to learn how to run through them. And then just the day-to-day living of trying to love your wife, trying to love your kids, I feel like God is teaching me slowly how to walk and not be faint. Waiting on the Lord is not easy. It's not passive. It's going to require you to do something. You're going to have to take very thin strands, begin to bind them together, weave them, in order to find true supernatural strength as you walk through this world of exile as we're waiting for heaven. This word... Focus is uh, an interesting word. The, the word to focus on something means to make something clear. It means clarity, but it also means to devote yourself to a task, an idea, or to a person. A point of focus is a place of activity. It's a place of influence. It's a place of importance. And um, that's what I guess I'm saying is, when I say focus on God, it's becoming more devoted. Taking God's word and applying it to your life. Fixing your minds on the truths of scripture concerning who God is. His person, his promises, his plan, his purposes. And then we begin to see more clearly God becomes the focal point of our lives and our mental activity. To wait on the Lord means to learn contentment in his provision not in our provision, not in what we think we should have or what we think should happen. I want to close this morning by by reading um, from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think, again, he he says it better than... (laughs) I've used a lot of words to say what he's going to say here in these few verses. I just want to close with what Paul says here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in uh, verse 16 through 18. He said, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and how it does speak 
today into our lives. It's real. It's living. And I know, Lord, that your word challenges me. And though I don't get it fully and I don't understand it completely, thank you for the vision you've given me in Isaiah 40 and hopefully the vision you've given all of us today that we can wait upon you and we can soar on wings like eagles. So, Lord, my prayer is that we would be your people who would take the time to weave a rope of strength so that we can begin to experience the strength, the supernatural strength that you want to give us in our day-to-day lives. We thank you for these things. Amen.